Chiteshwar Pujara and Ajinkya Rahane have been two of the mainstays of the Indian middle order. And it's fair to admit, even though the board hasn't really put a final a final confirmation next to the names, but it's very unlikely they will ever play for India again as things stand now. Pujara is in Sussex, Rahane is playing his stint in the IPL. But I think it's, it's uh, fitting in this podcast, we pay an homage to these guys and also talk about some of the other in, Indian middle order batsmen. And helping me do the honours uh, is a podcast regular uh, and a guest resident, uh, Aftab Khanna, back on the show after a few months and also making his debut known for more uh, film-related content and cricket. It's uh, Sahil Sharma from Down Under. Welcome to the show, guys. Thank you, Sakib. Uh, thank you, Sakib, for having me. No, no, it's a, it's a pleasure here. I'm sure you'll light it up here. And we'll talk some other number two maybe in the end if time allows. So, Aftab, you know, you and I have spoken about Pujara in almost every podcast. And then you've also spoken about Pujara and some of the other current batsmen in the last cricket episode you were on last year. So, Chiteshwar Pujara, you know, played a lot of test matches for India. And they could be a polarizing... Uh, opinion by a lot of Pujara fans that he should have got more leeway than Rahane. Uh, so as current things stand, do you think, uh, uh, do you believe in the validity of Pujara Rahane going out together or uh, do you want to try to nitpick this into or you accept the decision as a Pujara fan that it was time? Well, uh, Sakib, let me start off by uh, quoting Galib to articulate my feelings on Cheteshwar Pujara and the best lines I can think of is um, I'm sure people will translate this for those who don't understand Urdu but it's a, it's a set of unfulfilled ambitions um, he's wrapped up at 95 tests so close to 100 um, and um, the average came down from 48, 49 right after the 2019 Australia tour to under 44 at 43.8. So it's it's been it's been disappointing. Uh, but I I do feel that it's it's very difficult to see a way back from for him. Um, and primarily because you know the way things are um, in Indian cricket right now, there's just so much. Um, competition and so many other people knocking on the door. I mean, you already have, uh, you know, Gil and Ayer there who've um, done really well in the opportunities that they've gotten. And they are players for the future. They have age on their side. And largely also, I feel that I think both in, in the case of Pujara and Rahane, you reached a point where, you know, numbers did not really justify them getting any extended rope, right? And if we, if and, and, and on these matters, you know, you kind of have to be consistent and apply the same yardstick. I mean, if we feel that there was a point of time in, let's say, you know, Ganguly's career when he got really a long rope because he was a captain and probably shouldn't have been in the team, did not merit his place as a batsman, then I think it was fairly true for both Pujara and Rahane as well. So, yes, um, I mean, I'm just looking at, you know, I looked at some numbers and did some analysis and, uh, you know, if, if you break down phases of career by um, um, by maybe two or three tranches, then Pujara between, you know, after that Sydney test in 2019 to his last test in South Africa was averaging 27. Um, and surprisingly, Rahane's numbers were actually higher. He was, he was averaging 34. But are those numbers that you would accept for um, an Indian test middle order batsman for a three-year period? No, you wouldn't. You would much rather look at, okay, who else can we bring? So, um, as I said, unfulfilled ambitions and, um, you know, some private remonstration that I can do as a as a Pujara fan. But, um, you know, there was, we reached a point where it was hard to argue that, you know, both of them needed a break. 
Sure. So I'll do a follow-up and then Sahil, I'll quickly bring you in. So after the very valid points, but uh, going back to your podcast on Last Wicket, how uh, you and the panelists there made a good uh, argument based on numbers that this is arguably one of the hardest eras to bat. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, the average score is slightly less. And uh, what is 50 in the previous generation, you know, is equal to a 40. I'm just throwing a stuff out there, yep. 42. So yep. given how most test teams not named India don't have a settled batting order. So you think uh, what at least Pujara and Rahane, what they offered, would they, again, hypothetical, and I don't expect a conclusive answer. You think they would have merit, uh, warranted a place in other sides? I mean, given the talent that's floating around, because India is an exceptional case where the Indian bench is so strong. So their rope was also cut short and they felt the pressure of a Mayank Agarwal, of a Gil, uh, Ayer and Rohit Sharma shining. So, you know, so there was a combination of few things. Um, England would probably take Pujara day in and day out. <laughs> <laughs> given the situation that they are in i don't know about uh, i don't know about rahane honestly um i don't i also don't want to be like too harsh on them you make a valid point uh, sakib and uh, you know people uh, have to be judged not across eras but how good they were in the era that they played and i actually um, you know did a filter and looked at some stats for the 2016 to 2022 period right and if you call it this is the test match bowling era so starting from 1st jan 2016 to end of feb 2022 and try to look at, you know, if you sort batsmen by number of runs and the average that they have. Um, and, you know, someone like Pujara doesn't do too bad. He's he's in the top 15. You know, company he's keeping is with the likes of Barbara Azam, Ross Taylor, Latham, right? And this is despite, you know, the really poor three years he's had, which means that in the 2016 to 19 period, he was really well, doing really well. He averaged about 47, 48 in that period. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think someone like him, maybe if he had been, you know, in, in, in an English side, maybe even a South African side, um, you would, would probably have uh, been in the spotlight more. Um, but form ultimately at the end of the day, I think is form. And I, I'm afraid, you know, it, uh, it, 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 there just wasn't enough, you know, returns coming. I think especially after the, uh, the, uh, the Australia series of 2021, I mean, you could still say, you know, he batted time and, and blunted a lot of the high quality bowling there. I think his problem was he stopped making runs at home. Um, and that really was, was where he missed a lot of opportunities. Um, and then I think Rahane is, Typical Rahane, you're you're seeing it with the IPL as well. He had a great first game and then he's had an awful next two, three games, uh, whereas strike rate is now less than 100 for IPL. So, um, you know, uh, it, it's um, it, it, yeah, it's not an easy answer to your question. Um, but yeah, I think in some other teams, they probably would have stood out a little bit more. And maybe might have gotten a lot longer rope. Definitely England would have gotten a longer rope. Right, well said. So two questions in the podcast. Sahil, you're padded up as Pujara. You're number three, the third question. So... Uh, welcome to the pod once again. And uh, what Aftab said, you can either agree or disagree or elaborate. And uh, secondly, you and I have spoken sometimes on phone. Uh, so now for the audience, where did you sit on the Cheteshwar Pujara uh, uh, narrative? Do you think he was overrated? Do you think he was underrated? What is your take on Pujara as overall? But uh, so you can start by disagreeing or agreeing with what Aftab said. No, I sort of uh, agree with Aftab with what he said, but I must admit that uh, I'm like, um, I'm still a big Pujara fan, but uh, I think uh, it was the right time to drop Pujara and Rahane both. And for Pujara and in terms of what I think of Pujara, I think we are never going to see a batsman of uh, Pujara's intent, if we can call 
in test match cricket especially the way the game is moving forward with t20 like i don't think like a batsman like pujara whom i would like to call like the least exciting batsman to watch right i mean if i ask you like names a batsman that you don't like watching watch but you want him to bat like that's pujara for me uh but i would say he had has had a very good career uh and i will say why uh one of the reasons is that in in india especially in the subcontinent we rate people and there is this new term called sena because we over we think that people who have performed in overseas conditions are better rather than people who have performed at home now one of my favorite pujara things is the way he batted against uh, peak graham swan and monty paneser in 2012 and strangely everybody has forgotten that series that pujara scored a double 100 and a 100 and a 100 at vankhade which is more famously remembered for kevin peterson's uh, 100 and some people call it uh, the best uh, innings to have come from an overseas batter in indian conditions and here was pujara in a team of sehwa gambhir tendulkar and you can almost argue that all these three at least these three are probably one of the greatest players of spin uh, and sehwag some might even rate him as the top 3 as well and they were struggling against peak swan and paneser and that really stood out for me that pujara as a player of spin in this particular indian team of last decade or so was probably the best player of spin his decisive footwork i mean even against uh, australia in 2017 i mean now people remember that uh, australian tour but that home tour as well i mean pujara batted like like a dream i mean for me i mean he saved that series for india the way he and rahane batted in that Bang- bangalore test so for pujara like i have some very fond memories as an indian fan and i think he has uh, been one of my favorite batsmen uh, now can i talk about rahane also a little bit or absolutely absolutely yeah uh, rahane has been a strange case and i think uh, it might be a cliche to say that like you and i think it has been a running joke for rahane that you never know when he's in form and whether he's in out of form but if you go back to his uh, to the start of his career i mean rahane i think was there with the indian team for almost like four five twos but he was not getting a chance and he was like the 12th man uh, for almost 12 13 tests and then he got a chance uh, at home against delhi and then if you see his record on all of his first tours to south africa new zealand england australia i mean i hardly remember an indian batsman like who scored a 100 in his first tours right like he went everywhere i mean and i'm including uh, tendulkar dravid and all obviously they are great players but rahane by any stretch of my mind imagination is not considered at par with them but rahane went there and scored those runs and arguably you can say by 2015 he was india's best fast, uh, test batsman so but after 2015 i think uh, in my humble opinion rahane should have been dropped like way before pujara rahane got a long rope and for pujara i think and i have to like uh, say that pujara deserved a long rope because i think he did a different role for the team i mean at number 3 i mean there was a specific role also when you pick a player you know his shortcomings and all 
pujara was never a natural stroke player but i think the job that he did and i think probably that's why he's a bit underrated in that aspect i mean india's victory in australia uh, last uh, couple of years back i think it wouldn't have been possible if not for pujara because the way he blunted out the attack in both those sydney and uh, gabba test i think that was very very crucial for india to succeed uh so yeah i mean for rahane i would say that yeah he probably deserved to get dropped like in mean, two years back but uh, for pujara uh, i think the time was right now with all the talent that's coming up like vihari gil shreyas ayer and also i mean these people uh, anybody who got a chance i mean they just took up their chance i mean you can't uh, argue that a vihari or a shreyas ayer or a shubman gil don't deserve their chance no. yeah no i think yeah. uh, some brilliant points there like pujara uh, at home against panasar and swan and you know he started off like majestically and if you go back in the year 2013 when we went to south africa kohli batted well but pujara you know according to stain i think when stain got him out he he said something along the lines it's very hard to get this kid out and that time how the you know and if you compare to the pujara of the last few years and what kohli has become it's like you know a tale of two different cities a lot of time in this decade pujara was clearly india's second best bat but also a lot of time in this decade the competition with kohli was like you know there was kohli there was some it was a daylight and then pujara so after uh, on what uh, sahil just said pujara at home and pujara against spin uh, it doesn't get understated but this is one of the things that made pujara great for the most part of his career and then he became a good batsman as he ended it because if we go by averages he end, he ends up with a test average below 45 so what do you what do you remember of pujara against some world class spin and you know that uh, series against australia in 2017 is also one of my personal favorites but uh, you want to put some context to it in your words as well yeah absolutely i mean i'm glad sahil brought up that point about the home series and so couple of interesting um, nuggets about pujara statistically sakib so uh, average of 54 at home um and you know despite all his troubles over the last two years um his his home average is still higher where he's ended than dravid ganguly and lakshman dravid at 51 lakshman at 51 ganguly at 43 right so and this is we are talking about like the most difficult era of batting 18 test hundreds in 95 tests um, more than ganguly and lakshman um who who batted in a different era with different batting surfaces so you know just also you know giving giving the guy his due as we said you know the time period in which he operated in and then there's this you know joke that i that i make about him um and i think i shared it with you one on one but uh, i was i was scribbling about uh, pujara's form and the fact that he might get dropped um with a with a friend of mine who's pakistani and he just wrote back to me and he said uh, stop complaining about pujara he's won you two test series in australia build a statue of him next to statue of unity so <laughs> uh, uh, but uh, yeah i mean you talk about uh, as i said you know his his home numbers are are incredible despite you know the last two years when he hasn't done a lot um, and i think it's not just how he played spin at home it's also how he played it overseas like if you see how he played lion um both in 2019 and in uh, 2021 um in in 2018 19 he was very decisive with his feet movement i remember i actually saw the sydney test couple of days live as well um i was in australia at that point of time you know you could sh- see the assuredness in his in his footwork coming down the track and smothering the spin 
And in 21, he did that a little bit less, but he had a different facet to his game because he was defending a little bit more and he kind of held one end up, wasn't using his feet so much, uh, but he was still able to block him out. And I remember in that 2017 series, you know, people remember the the Bangalore test and the Dharamshala test. Not a lot of people remember the Ranchi test where I think he, um, either, he either made a double hundred or he made like a fairly sizable hundred. And at that point of time, it was the uh, longest innings played by any Indian test batsman in terms of number of balls faced, right? So with him, you know, I, I would say like remarkable powers of concentration over a long period of time when he was at his peak, which probably would compare with, you know, what you saw from a Dravid or maybe if you go some eras back, Kavaskar, right? Just the fortitude and the patience to be on the crease and uh, not get sucked into playing rash shots and knowing your role in the team. And to some extent, I think Sile's right that you don't know if you'll see somebody like him again. I mean, there's Hanuma Vihari, I think, who's cut from the same cloth to an extent. I don't know if there's anybody else in the next generation. Um, and my belief always was that you you need to have a combination on the test team, right? If you can't just have your top six as like they all attacking batsmen who are going to play shots all the time. I mean, you can see what's happened with England with that approach. I mean, you need one person there who can be a little bit of a foil, who's slightly different, uh, who needs a different method of attack from the bowlers, right? Who's 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 going to present a different kind of a challenge to the opposition. Um, and I think he did that. Um, and in a team of Kohli and Lahane and now Rishabh Pant, you needed a Pujara to present that contrast. Um, so, um, but yeah, I, th- I think his, his home performances are less, less talked about, but, uh, you know, should not be discounted at all. I think it's a great record. And he's one of the major reasons why, along with Kohli, between, you know, at least between 2016 and 2019, you know, India had a fantastic home record. All right. So one more question, Pujara, then we'll explore Kapil and Rahane and then take the conversation forward. So Sahil, you said something very important, right? Uh, the least exciting guy, but I want him to succeed. You know, that's kind of a compliment, you know, and that's, and he'll enjoy it too if someone ever told him that. So let me ask you this. Uh, you said something, his role was different and we've all discussed Pujara to exhaustion, right? The Pujara uh, defenders and the Pujara attackers on Twitter, if that's the right word. So a lot of time people say, you know, he can blunt all he want, but a batsman's job is to score runs. And some of my closest friends have said that. But we all say, you know, you have to bat time and you have to get an error out of a baller. You want to, you know, make sure Cummins doesn't come back for a second spell. All these things are real. But in the end, the the Pajara detractors or critics will say he's not scoring runs. That's why he's there. So do you agree with that? Or you think it's half the picture because it's a team game? If he's absorbing... 96 balls for a 29. Kohli can do the part where, you know, uh, for the run scoring or Rohit Sharma or whoever or Ahane because the idea is to go without a session where there's no follow wicket. So there's like a lot of different plays here. Which side of the fence do you sit on, Sahil? Uh, yeah, thanks, Akhil, for asking this question. But I think probably I sit in the middle. I mean, Pujara... Let me start by saying this, that Pujara needs to be blamed a little bit uh, in the last three, four years, I think, where he basically just shut shop. I mean, he even when I was watching the World Test Championship final, I was just wondering that there were a couple of half volleys that were offered to him. And in a tight game like that, I mean, you want to like in cash on that, right? You don't want because that that was a game where against that New Zealand attack, I mean, you you are not going to get so many chances. And I think it was a very tight test and sometimes if you just like a uh, a half an hour of attacking display i mean can really turn the momentum uh, now the other argument is that 
because i have watched like pujara since he made made his debut in bangalore and i think i even followed his ranji trophy career a bit because at that time i was reading sports stars and all and pujara was all over the place because he was scoring so many runs and i think he basically like i remember reading an article which said that he just literally broke the door down that you have to select me and that's how it happened and i i'll digress a little bit i mean when pujara made his debut i mean uh and in the initial uh, phase of his career i mean he used to bat similarly he used to start slow but then he used to accelerate a, a lot more okay and he used to like convert like once he, uh, like he scored those double hundreds i think his strike rate from 100 to 200 was really good uh in the later part of career i mean he stopped doing that or he was unable to do that uh, but uh, there is this uh, 80 that we always remember in england and australia and i remember pujara got injured in the 2011 uh, ipl uh, playing for rcb and i've always like wondered like i'm not a ifs and buts guy but i've always wondered if pujara was fit and if he could have traveled to england at that time at the peak of his like form he had scored so many hundreds and at one point pujara had scored like three triple hundreds i think in not in first class i think it was like he played for his club and all so he had scored like three triple hundreds that was his record i mean he could stay like for long periods of time he could occupy and just bat and bat and bat so i have always wondered like what would have happened if he traveled to england and australia i mean obviously the england attack like abroad and anderson and bresnan i mean they were too good for india but maybe he would have saved us a test or two now coming back to your question uh, i think uh, what pujara failed to do in the later part of his career was that he didn't add a lot of strokes so i can understand when he started out i mean yes he had an approach he had some shots but i think all great players and if you have to become an all time great like you have to keep on evolving your game and i think pujara in a way i thought that he failed to do that in certain terms but still he was doing the job uh, for the team now the other grudge that i have with the team management about pujara is how they handled pujara uh, as compared to let's say uh, rohit sharma right and we all know like rohit sharma was just slotted in the team every series just because i don't know what was this word at that time intent and it was really really shocking to see virat kohli come out uh, in the press and say that they have spoken to pujara and they want him to bat faster now here is a guy like who likes to do a certain way of things and and he had done a reasonably uh, good job of that uh, when kohli called him out right and i think the for the first time when he was dropped he was dropped in sydney and uh, rohit sharma was tried at number 3 i would have understood that decision if they gave a long rope to rohit at number 3 but it was just but it just felt like that they just wanted to drop pujara and wanted to give somebody else a chance and again this happened in sri lanka when he was dropped uh, in the first two test and then he played in the third test he was asked to open he scored a 145 and then when we went to west indies he won again dropped in the third test because they wanted to play rohit sharma and so i mean i've always felt that uh, somebody who made so many runs who made so many crucial contributions i mean the way he was handled sometimes it was baffling i mean rahane got dropped in south africa but that was in 2018 and probably you can make an argument that that was a right decision even though i do, didn't agree with it but yes you can make an argument but to handle pujara the way the team management did i think he needed 
a little bit of more backing and i'm saying this about pujara uh, so i felt like uh, so i am kind of uh, in the middle uh, about pujara pujara's approach to batting and also i will just uh, like to add one more point uh, i remember a test in melbourne in 2007 when dravid opened the innings and dravid basically shut shop and sachin scored i think a 70 and he came out to face uh, the media and he was asked this question that uh, did you think that uh, dravid was too slow uh, batting too slow and uh, sachin's answer was that no we wanted dravid to bat that way i mean not and what uh, aftab had just mentioned that you cannot have all six batsmen batting in the same way right and uh, dravid uh, and sachin basically emphasized that point that they wanted uh, dravid to just shut shop and just uh, block his way out and allow other batsmen to score and some way i feel that that test is, uh, i always remember that test and i feel that about pujara that kohli should have backed him right or the team management should have backed him and said that okay that's the way he bats and we are backing him but that didn't happen with pujara and that was really uh, a little bit disappointing for me to see okay it's very, so it's it's very interesting to see the kohli pujara relationship evolution right because what sahil said is very fair um, around that 2013 to i would say 2016 time period when it's sort of like partly dhoni partly kohli right um and um, i i would say it's really kumble who basically like saved pujara's career around 2015 16 because he came in and i remember he made the statement that you know strike rates are in test matches you see strike rates of bowlers not for batsmen right and and i feel that in the early part of his captaincy you know kohli just wanted or he made that mistake of looking at everybody in his own mold like so if he plays with whatever coat and coat intent then everybody has to play in the team like that but i felt that in the last two or three years you know to some extent like you know he his attitude had changed a little bit i think there were right noises coming out of him and shastri um and the rope that he got uh, pujara over the last two years or so wouldn't have happened if the captain was not in his corner um so it's it's i don't know if we'll ever get to know like the real dynamics behind it but i i sense that you know there was a little bit of a change in that relationship and it was probably triggered by maybe that 2018 australia tour where you know there was kohli might have realized the value of having someone like him in the side yeah sometimes you have to earn the respect of a champion player like you know like jordan or ponting or kohli some of these guys who are like you know world class players they sometimes expect their teammates to you know play the same way kimber was saying the same thing like virat kohli has built a career by playing glorious cover drives even on the first ball and pujara has built a career by not playing the cover drive mm-hmm. so i think you know it's just like that kind of a you know that kind of a divide like why can't you do that if i if you're playing international cricket but i think you both kind of uh, read my mind and you know it's very fascinating whatever comes out 10 years from now if pujara ever opens up kohli ever opens up their relationship is a very interesting case study because for the longest time like after we said i'm just repeating what you said it seemed like the insecurities of pujara were uh, a factor of the captaincy and then in the later a lot of people now are saying with kohli's gone pujara and rahane ended their careers so let's switch quickly to rahane before we go into the meat of this conversation which will be about other middle order batsmen so after with pujara there was always the pujara fan saying he got a jaffa he got a beauty or you know he batted time he did the hard work uh, and rahane fan say you know rahane didn't get any of these benefits so i know you sat more in the pujara box as a fan at least that's what i think like my, myself so you think 
you know, was a narrative. I know Rahane did overstay his welcome by many fans' account. But do you think there was also uh, a bit of harshness how we judged him in in this age of multi-format cricket, in out, in out, and you know, of course, he got a longer rope. But is there any is there any you know consideration that we should make that uh, Rahane was treated uh, badly by fans, not players? but by fans over his course because he also was a great servant of this middle order um not really <laughs> not not that not that i can think of i think um it, it's it, so he he was a polarizing figure but i don't think he was necessarily a polarizing figure to the extent that um you know um uh, pujara or kohli is and um with him there was always this sense of like frustration right because you would get you never remember him for a great series right like you can pinpoint someone like pujara and say okay you know that 2016 home series against england that 2017 home series against australia right uh, two australian series right so you associate him with series triumphs right and sometimes you associate batsmen with really great performances in series where where you know the team lost right but you can never pinpoint that with rahane right and that's the problem there's there isn't that thread of consistency with rahane you remember knocks also the lords 100 right the 100 at melbourne uh, maybe a random 100 in west indies right i'm struggling now to come up with the fourth one um so yeah, yeah melbourne with with kohli right so you you never get that thread of you know a performance being followed on by a string of good scores and i don't know whether it was whether it was mental uh, you know whether it was something else i don't think it was necessarily technique because it's not like you know you could probably argue and say that you know he he was playing too many shots early but you know i i, I don't I, i don't know if that's really the the right argument there so it's a very curious case and it's not even as if you know we are talking about someone who was getting shuffled up and down the order or was batting with the tail all the time like he's batted at like five uh most of his career now or at least over the last five years since india actually started playing five bowlers which meant 3 4 5 was pujara kohli rahane right so he's not the case of a lakshman where he's coming in at 6 and has the wicketkeeper and 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 a bunch of tail enders next to him so um yeah i mean it's uh, to quote winston churchill it's enigma wrapped in a riddle you know so very difficult to parse out and i don't know what was going on there and i've maintained i agree with sail earlier like he, he he should have been out at least two years ago um i i remember i think in one of the earlier pods i joked that pakistan got rid of their rahane which was ashish shafiq <laughs> we we held on to ours um because i think in 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 india right now with the test team you have to see the opportunity cost right and you have to look at okay you know if you're keeping a player who's averaging under 40 and you're keeping him going um then what is it coming at the cost of right are you, who are you denying those opportunities and the riches that indian cricket has right now i don't think it's going to sound harsh but i don't think you can afford a top 6 with, with anyone there for a consistent period of time having a sub 40 average oh. So you quoted Gale, we quoted Churchill. You are in fire. You're definitely playing your shots. I need to find my next quote. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's talk about the Indian middle order, right? Uh, I'm definitely, you know, a lot older than Sahil and also older than Aftab. So when India travelled abroad, you know, uh, we were bad travellers. We couldn't get wickets on many occasions. That's true. But we also are batting field against the quality opposition or unfriendly tracks or you know, however you want to perceive it. So uh, I grew up. watching the likes of uh, Venkatesh Sarkar tail end of Amarnath Azhar the young Azhar 
and then uh, Shastri and Kapil batting at six and seven, and uh, you know the memory the memory bank serves some good innings, but it was always a challenge. So, Sahil, what is your recollection of Indian middle order? And if I ask you to name a few names, and let's leave Sachin Tendulkar out of it because he's clearly the outlier. And I would also say let's leave Virat Kohli out. Uh, out. We can bring him as a reference point. So, what are some of the best middle order batsmen that you've seen uh, since your cricket watching and following the Indian team's fortunes? Yeah, I don't think we have a lot of choice. I mean, I, <laughs> I started watching in the 90s and uh, by 96, uh, we had uh, Ganguly and Dravid in the middle order. Lakshman started out as an opener, but by the start of uh, 2000, I think he was, I think in that uh, Australian series, I mean, he cemented his place in the middle order. So, I mean, it's hard to look past these players, but obviously Azar, I would say that is... Uh, one of my favorite players to watch and he did play some of my favorite knocks be it in cape town or be it in new zealand so if i have to like if you do you want me to like pick three or four then i would say that probably dravid azar uh, uh, tendulkar and lakshman i would say are and i'm not counting this era i'm just thinking just beyond this decade uh, so probably these four, I would say that uh, before this Indian team stepped in. Uh, but uh, overall, I would say the best middle order batsman has to be like Dravid, Azar, uh, Kohli, and Tendulkar. I mean, these have to be my four, if I have to pick up four. Uh, the one interesting choice I have to like talk about is like how India gave a chance to Suresh Rana uh, once... Uh, Ganguly retired, right? And we were playing this, uh, we were playing this catch-up with like uh, whether to give Yuvraj a chance or Suraj Rana uh, or uh, or Rana, <laughs> right? And it always fascinated me, like how uh, the game of T20 like uh, uh, affected our decision making in that. Because if you remember 2009, uh, 9 T20 World Cup, uh, Suresh Rana went to England and uh, I remember Nasir Hussain making a comment in one of those games that uh, don't they bowl short balls in the IPL? Because Suresh Rana was like, he's called the Mr. IPL. And here is a batsman who goes to a T20 World Cup and he's struggling against a short ball. And then India decide to give him a go in test matches. And that... Uh, India-England series is a painful series to watch uh, in 2011, where he's not just struggling against uh, fast bowlers, but he's struggling against Graham Swan like a schoolboy. There was one innings where he faced like 30 balls and he got out for a duck. So that was one interesting choice. Another uh, choice was uh, when Dravid and Lakshman retired in 2012. Uh, it was a strange case and Pujara was making a comeback after his injury and we didn't know whether Badrinath or Pujara will bat at three. But uh, the team management decided to bat, uh, to go ahead with Pujara. And rest, as they say, is history. So they, these are some of the choices I can think like what would have happened, what would have happened if uh, Rohit Sharma had got that chance in Nagpur if he wasn't injured and Vridhivan uh, Saha got that chance in 2010. So all those things. But overall, I would say that... Uh, like there, these comparisons are always made like Rahane is compared to Lakshman and uh, Dravid is compared to Pujara. And I made this comment on Twitter two, three years back when I said that 
Pujara is already an all-time great after his uh, heroics in Australia and like people pounced over me and said no 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 and they brought stats and all like Pujara is nowhere near Dravid he's not an all-time great yet and I said just wait for two years <laughs> actually his, dro- his average dropped to 43 and like uh, maybe I should delete those tweets about Pujara being an all-time great yeah he had the uh, making of an all-time great so it's interesting. So I'll come back to you, especially with Azhar and Lakshman. That's a comparison I have in mind. So after we want to give your uh, remarks in the Indian Middle Order, the men who have impressed your imagination or who you think are worth mentioning. Your your cricket watching is slightly longer than Sahil. So who who else you would want to include in, in the list that Sahil shared? Yeah, I think <clears throat> Sahil covered the usual suspects. I'll, I'll make that point about Rahane being compared to Lakshman. A very interesting factoid about Lakshman. Um, his average in second innings is 48.8. And Rahane averages 33.4. And to me, like, you know, that single point just takes the comparison away. Like, Lakshman was your guy to win test matches when you needed a second innings effort. Amongst all the Indian batsmen I saw, I, I'm not including Tendulkar here. I'm, I don't know what his numbers are by second innings. I'm not including Kohli. But you put him against Dravid. You put him against Ganguly, even Pujara. By far, this chalk and cheese, right? And I don't think you can explain a 15-point basis point difference in average by by batting errors. Um, so, I think I think Lakshman had 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 a different competency. And again, you'll remember Lakshman by his second innings efforts, right? The 281, you know, the match saving, I think 170 he made against West Indies, Durban, Mumbai, right? Matches India won because Lakshman made a pivotal 50 or maybe a hundred in the second innings. A few other people I would I would include. Um, so I want to start off with Dilip Mansarkar, which is very interesting. I I didn't watch Dilip Mansarkar on TV. I have, I have very faint memories of actually watching that 1991 Ranji match, the final, the very famous final with my dad. And I remember Mansarkar getting on his haunches and actually crying. Um, and surprise, surprise, I was actually supporting Bombay to win because I was a big Tendulkar fan even then at 80 years old. But uh, his numbers were interesting because I... In, in the 90s, uh, I got VHS tapes and I saw um, highlights of the World Series Championship of 85, right? And Mensurkar plays this brilliant knock in the semifinal against New Zealand. And such a languid, beautiful player, right? And the, the British videos of the 85-86 series where he scored those hundreds don't do him justice. You know, Channel 9 actually does justice to his talent. And you can see his languid cover drives against Hadley and Chatfield. And I came away thinking, wow, you know, before... Tendulkar and Azhar came along. This guy was like, you know, such a good Indian player. And then much later, I would say, you know, somehow on YouTube, I found highlights of the 91-92 Australia series where India lost 4-0. They're no longer there. But uh, he played a test match in Sydney, uh, which which was drawn, the only match India saved. And he bats in the second innings and he's facing McDermott. And oh my God, it was like watching Jaspreet Bumrah bat. Like he was so tentative and prodding away and, you know, hardly getting bat on ball. And Ian Chappell's on commentary, you know, and calling out his struggles. Um, it totally changed my perception about when Sarkar as a batsman. And it goes back to, you know, this adage that they, that is there that sometimes it's better not to watch videos of certain people when you have certain perceptions. But it's interesting about Wenzelkar that, you know, wonderful middle phase of his career in the mid-80s when I think for about like five or five years between 82 and 87, he was averaging like 55 plus in test matches. And then once he's made captain, it kind of just goes downhill. After the 87 World Cup, his average is just about 22, 23, right? And so a bit of a 
inglorious end to to that career the the other name i want to pick is since we spoke so much about pujara i want to go back to pujara o.1 which was mr sanjay manjrekar um who, who um, you know painstakingly would construct hundreds against a team like zimbabwe and save india test matches but uh, you know that again is a is a is a fascinating career that unfortunately didn't go elsewhere and no better person to analyze it than manjrekar himself in his book you know because he writes about how he he went on that tour to australia and was so full of confidence and just knew that oh this great innings is right around the corner right around the corner and before he knows that tour is over and then he goes to south africa and that tour is over and then he's gone from the test team and um, he he came back in 96 and he says i i was on the tour to england and i think he got injured couldn't play the lords test and he said i saw dravid and ganguly bat and i knew my time's up this is it and that's the reason i think he volunteered to open a test match against south africa in 96 at ahmedabad didn't do well um which is a pity um you know because i think he was uh, in in that era there was a lot of value for a batsman like him you know today we don't value a blocker like 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 manjekar but um, it's amazing how forthright and candid he was in his book about his own career and then maybe the last name i would i would put forth is the curious case of mr vinod kambli um ending his career with an average of 54 um 53 at home 55 away statistical anomalies uh, 400s 300s in a single year um, you know just uh unbelievable but uh, like suresh raina found out by the short ball and that's it you know career is over and maybe i don't know there were some other factors like one of those casualties of um, i think uh, the 96 world cup and the some of the theatrics that that went along with it and um, um uh, mike mark uh, markisi talks very well about it in in his book uh, war minus the shooting he devotes a little bit of time talking about kamli and uh, and the 96 semi final but his his career unfortunately ended ended there um, but you don't know where it would have gone i think he clearly had his technical problems yeah so uh, also i would just like to add like because aftab mentioned uh, these players like, especially kambli like what he could have been there's another player uh, mohammad kaif uh, and he had a really mm-hmm. uh, i mean a very strange uh, test test career uh, one day i think he's mostly remembered for that lots knock but in test matches uh, kumble had once said that uh, that india didn't utilize kaf as much as uh, they would have wanted uh, kaf should have been given more chances and also it would be a fair reflection to say that the limited chances he got in test i think he did really well so i don't know what happened after 2007 8 when like he was completely out of contention but i think he was still better than uh, suresh raina <laughs> to give a long look because he had a 100 in west indies he scored a very good uh, 91 against england in nagpur so yeah that's the one name i can remember and then i mean we should talk about amol majumdar i mean growing up in the 90s reading the newspapers mm, yep. that name was always there and you knew that that he would get his chance but somehow he never ended up getting picked as well so that was really i mean i would love to hear from the selectors or even from like a tendulkar because we all talk about his mumbai lobby and all but i mean there was this one guy who was scoring loads of runs and he never got a chance so yeah amul majumdar and i would say yeah mohammad kaif again like what could have been 
Yeah, Mumbai lobby is one of my favorite, uh, you know, thing to throw around. I've done it in my, at, uh, you know, in my mm-hmm. views a lot of times. But there's an interesting article, I think, I don't know, in the ESPN Cricket Monthly, the long format on Rahane. And the article showed that there's a divide among within the Mumbai cricket culture. You know, there is like uh, the white collar culture and the blue collar culture, people coming for money of the middle class. And uh, basically it said, if I recall correctly, Roy Sharma and Rahane belong to two different set of Mumbai cultures. So this Mumbai, Mumbai lobby thing is very easy to paint because a lot of people who don't like Sachin Tendulkar or Vang Sarkar or the Mumbai politics or Shastri, it's easy to say, but I think the truth is always a little more complex than what we believe. So, no, I think I want to agree. Both of you mentioned some great names. And I would uh, definitely also throw in Praveen Amre, who has a very short-lived career. You know, 11 tests, scored a great 100 against one of the best attacks of those times in South Africa. In his debut, I think, got a 100, if I'm not mistaken, at Durban. I could be wrong, but he is someone, again, a mystery figure. Uh, some people would say Karun Nair, but Karun Nair had that, you know, triple hundred and never factored again in the scheme of things. And uh, also would like to add about Vengsarkar. I saw the tail end, that's when I started watching. So that's the last few years of Gavaskar and Vengsarkar when he became captain. He was among runs. He was a shaky starter, but he would get a lot of big runs uh, because I think that's like his late peak. And then the 92 series, like after I mentioned, you know, he never played again after that was was the end. And there's a famous line when, from his captaincy because him and Azruddin, I think, also had an, some sort of equation. So Azhar struggled in West Indies. We all know the ribcage bowling got him in Winston Benjamin, Patrick Patterson. We used to listen to commentary. And Azhar was always getting, they would sit back with short leg and forward short leg and, you know, short stuff got him. And Vengsekar, as captain, said something about Azruddin, which was in a Sports Star magazine, if I recall correctly. Hopefully, Subu is listening to this and, you know, can validate this. He said Azhar was like found wanting like a cat on a hot tin roof. So there's always, you know, like dimer doesn't anecdotes on how the evolution of the middle order has happened. So I'll ask you this question, both of you. Haftab, you can go first. So when we look at a greatness of a middle order, you gave averages in India why Pujara still has a better average. And I believe Azhar average is more than Pujara at home. So when you compare to an Azhar to a Lakshman, both come from the Hyderabad school of batting. Lakshman, slightly more complete batsman as part of many jailbreak kind of wins for India. How do you compare the two? I think it's clearly that Lakshman has is a better career or a more refined batsman. But do you break it down abroad and home? And how is the distinction for you? And where would you rank them in the middle order rankings if you have one? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's an interesting one and <clears throat> difficult to do, uh, you know, these, these post-facto analysis. Uh, and I try to kind of stay away from, you know, rankings or, or evaluate people across different as i said i mean it's, it's it's difficult to do that i think you want to compare them in the context of their own era and how they were doing and one maybe simple way to look at it is if you look at batsmen of their time and their era you know where did they where did they fit in right and i, I didn't run the numbers for the 90s right but i I, I did some numbers between 2001 and 2008, which you can probably call it the golden era of batting, right? And I mean, Lakshman's not bad. I mean, Lakshman is 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 in that top 20, right? He's the people in the top 20, you know, you're looking at people in that seven, eight period, like Ricky Ponting and Jacques Callis and Lara is still playing then. So is Tendulkar and 
you know, Dravid is there and so Lakshman's there. So he's, 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 he's holding his own with a average that's close to about 50 for that period. Right. And to me, yeah, I mean, you could talk about like, you know, yes, there's this batting inflation in terms of numbers, quality of bowling attacks and all that. But I think uh, you're looking for a reasonably even distribution of performance, perhaps across different regions, especially home and away. Um, and I think you get that in a in a player like Lakshman, who averages 51 at home, 42 away, 800s at home, 900s away, right? Compared to another where then the graph is like really skewed, he averages 56 at home, but only 36 away, right? Um, and yes, that, that away average has more hundreds than a Lakshman and some very attractive hundreds. Um, uh, but again, you know, it's it's that case of one great innings that comes in a losing cause, but nothing else. Um, so you 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 kind of have to look at how even or the distribution is, um, and you know what was the outcome, but also in contextually, like where were they in the context of you know batting in their era? And this is where I think the greatness of a Dravid comes through, and I think it's underappreciated. I mean, we're not going to get into Tendulkar's record, but Dravid's fifty-one at home, fifty-three away, fifteen hundreds at home, twenty-one hundreds away, right? And so that just kind of, in my mind, just puts him in a different league uh, compared to compared to all others. Sahil? Uh, yeah, so in the Lakshman and Nazar debate, I mean, you have to look at, I mean, you cannot just uh, look past away the records. I agree with Aftab that, yeah, there's always a context to that, that record. But uh, if you see Azar's record uh, in Australia, in South Africa, in West Indies, like it's close to 20s. I mean, and that's not acceptable for a middle order batsman. So if you're trying to build... Uh, a middle order where uh, especially overseas I don't think uh, Azar would uh, Azar would get a look in but yes I picked him in my top 4 batsmen that I've watched and probably that's my like limited viewing at that time but yes overall if you ask me to compare them as a batsman and I'm just not uh, look at their record for one moment then I would say that Azar had like more strokes in him than a Lakshman. And he had that basically fourth gear, which sometimes you need in a test match, especially uh, in a test match in India. Uh, and Azar, uh, and the other reason I rate Azar better than Lakshman is because it's like this, our inferiority complex that we don't rate uh, people who bat well in, in India. I mean, it's always... Or play, or play spin. <laughs> Yeah, or how we play spin. So it's always the Senna records that we emphasize that. And even when I started, I said, right, it's averaging close to 20s and people. But there are a lot of overseas batsmen I can think uh, who are considered great batsmen, but they had pretty mediocre records in India. So for me, uh, when you have to judge a batsman, it's not just his records in those particular countries, but overall, like how good was he a player? So some of others hundreds, like uh, in like even though he's not averaging that great in south africa but that 100 in cape town right like what a great counter in, uh, attacking innings and that sometimes uh, state you the value that how good a player he was batting against uh, such good quality fast bowlers so in that other uh, lakshman debate uh, i would say i would go with other uh, and the other thing is i think your number three and number four are more crucial than your number five and six. I mean, if you have a settled number three and number four, 
and if they are scoring those big hundreds uh, that makes the job easier for 5 and 6 so if you see dravid india's best uh, years or if you say the best batting years in 2000 it was when dravid tendulkar batting and dravid who has batted the highest number of balls in test cricket and tendulkar what else is there to say so if you have those two people i mean there's uh, not much that you expect uh, from a number 5 and 6 and that's why uh, a ganguly could get uh, away with uh, right not scoring those many runs uh, and it was only like greg chapel who had to come and tell him that you're not scoring enough runs and you need to get uh, you need to drop yourself but uh, i would say the number 3 and number 4 position is very crucial in test matches rather than 5 and 6 and that's why you see that your best batsmen are batting at that position because you want to capitalize uh, as much as you want i'll i'll make one more point sakib um i i don't mean to be harsh at all on azhar there are only two people two batsmen that i would want to watch you know if i have to go to youtube and watch highlights that i would want to watch for aesthetic value of batting in my era that i've seen live in my eyes one is mark wood the other is azhar if you just want to sit back and you know you have a you have a glass of whiskey in your hand and you want to enjoy 10 to 15 minutes of high quality cricket batting that's aesthetically pleasing those are the only two names that come to my mind um you know so just the experience of watching us and i think we've discussed this on a previous pod- podcast it's an elevating experience uh, to immerse yourself into and enjoy cricket batting and i'm saying this you know having been a tendulkar fan you know in my in my most of my life and then you know being being a kohli fan and even a, a pujara fan but it's it's just an it's a it's a transcendental experience when you watch other other bat at a peak right just the joy that 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 it brought to your mind um is is completely different and i agree with sail i think you you have to think about how you construct a middle order but you also can't discount how how well people people played at home but uh, but yeah they were they were shortcomings in his game but when he was able to overcome that you know those uh, he was he was great to watch so there's a sublayer to this you both made excellent points and azhar was one of my favorite players till i became a tendulkar fan and then i became a dravid fan i changed my religion basically so but i think with azhar and lakshman lakshman to me gets a nod clearly because the old school context not only what you did but against who you did so lakshman's lot of his heroics came against the aussies who were easily the team of the decade mm-hmm. and he also scored reasonably well in australia but you know the differences end here because azhar played the swinging ball really well and his outside average is kind of very reasonable in new zealand and england and again some people might say those day new zealand were like flat tracks or whatever but the weather is still there the ball swings and lakshman on the other hand did better in australia so after did, does this also come into the how you factor these two men uh, lakshman played the higher bouncing ball or aussie conditions better and azhar played the swinging ball better at least the conditions in england i mean it, it depends on the time period i don't want to like over generalize the conditions like azhar averages 41 in england but a lot of those runs came in that tour of 1990 when it was a hot dry summer and i don't know how much the ball was swinging i've seen some highlights and doesn't seem to be swinging much um <laughs> right lakshman averages like 34 in england but across i would say relatively more difficult tours um and you know he's reasonable in new zealand about 40 uh, but really good uh, you know on 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 the on the bouncing ball you know especially australia like he's averaging 44 i think i think it comes in but again you have to be a little bit careful about uh, you know the time period and the situation of that specific series um, that's influencing those those numbers and those records um so i think that 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 comes into it as well i mean i don't think you can blanket say that because the ball moves around in england 
X person averaged more than 35. And so, you know, he did really well. I mean, it could well be that that one series was a great series for batting. Um, so there's there's a little bit more nuance there, I think. I, I think on the sum of it, you know, Lakshman's record has less standard deviations compared to other when you look across all these variables. Um, but uh, that doesn't take away from the fact that at home, Azhar was really good and, and aesthetically very good to watch. All right. So let's talk about the big man in the room, Rahul Dravid, because we said we won't talk about Tendulkar and we can also bring in Kohli if we want, but Kohli is arguably the Tendulkar of this generation. So let's talk about talk about Dravid. Again, you know, you don't want to get into fan wars, uh, Sachin versus Rahul fans or whatever. There was a time period when Rahul Dravid was averaging close to 60 plus in test cricket. Uh, I don't think, you know, uh, and everybody thought, you know, he's going to finish uh, with a very high average, but the longer careers, 160-odd test, he did, you know, in the end, it was all right, even though there was this kind of steady decline towards the end. So, Sahil, I'll start with you. Uh, is he, I mean, a lot of people say he's an all-time great, but he's a second-tier all-time great. So, total fandom talk, where do you rate him in the all-time greatness, India and abroad, of the men you've seen? Mm. Rahul Dravid probably for me like stands up there at the top. I mean, uh, there was a time when he, you can also argue that he was uh, the better test batsman than Sachin Tendulkar at one point in time. Uh, yeah, but overall I would say yeah, Sachin is probably a better batsman. But uh, he's for, for me, he's there up there at the top. I mean, the kind of job he did for India uh, during those years, like especially and the way he made his comebacks also right in 2008 uh, there was these murmurs and uh, i think gary kirsten he also uh, rahul dravid also mentioned that there was this one test when he was like almost about to be dropped and then he scored that 100 in uh, against sri lanka so for me i mean even though i brought it up like dravid versus pujara but i think dravid was clearly the better batsman and uh, at number 3 i think he was that batsman who glued the team, right? You could bat around him. Everybody could bat around him. And just going back to that previous point about uh, Lakshman and uh, Azar, I mean, Azar also like batted in a weak middle order. I mean, imagine uh, Dravid and Tendulkar at three and four, and then you are Lakshman. It It is a little easier. I mean, uh, it's so, I mean, those contexts are missing when we look at just, when we start looking at records that you had, arguably the two greatest batsmen of their era batting at three and four, and then you had Lakshman. So coming back to Dravid's record, I would say even by records, and after I mentioned it, right, home uh, average and away average, I mean, it's pretty good. He did well in all conditions. I mean, beat England, Australia, South Africa, New Zealand, double hundreds in New Zealand, in Hamilton. I mean, there's hardly to like nitpick anything from Dravid's record. I mean, really. So, I mean, I would say I won't call him like second tier in the all-time great list, but probably he's like up there with the top. I mean, yeah, when you yeah, think of the likes of Lara, Ponting, Sachin, Callis, yeah, but I think he needs to be talked in the same breath. That's what I feel. Well, I'm a huge Dravid fan and borderline apologist, but I want to be objective because I've heard these things that you don't mention in the same breath as Tendulkar and Lara and Ponting. So, Aftab, let's do some paralysis by analysis. Yeah, that's the saying. So, Dravid had that magical series in 2003. So, a lot of folks like myself, we rave about Gangulio, his Brisbane 144 came against a, an attack that uh, didn't have 
McGraw, Vaughn, and Lee. Lee didn't play the test. And uh, I don't know if Gillespie was there. It was Bracken and all. So Dravid also cashed on in that series. And uh, his he averages 40-something in Australia if you like see, take the series out. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I don't no, know he what... Act, he, he actually averages 40 with that series in. Okay, yeah. So if you so, take that series out, it's probably going to be, be lower. The only blemish on his record is his home average against Australia is 35. And you're thinking about... 98, first time Shane Warne came. 2001, when he actually did have that 180 at, at, at uh, Calcutta. And then there's a 2004 series and then a couple of series later, you know. So he, he, he sort of had its, has, his, has his struggles against them. And then I think the other blemish on his record is South Africa. Like he, he, he averages 30 away in South Africa and he averages like 39 against South Africa at home, right? So if you really had to nitpick, you can say that Across Dravid's era, the two best bowling attacks of his time, he, he his numbers kind of go down a little bit, right? And his his numbers are really strong against, um, you know, in England and or New Zealand. So again, you kind of get into that moving ball versus the bouncing ball thing. The the remarkable thing about you know Dravid's career is just the degree of stability there is, right? And I mean, I wish um, I was able to break this down into smaller chunks, but you know, he he, he played for about. Uh, how long? 96 to about 2012. So about 16 years, right? If you take like five-year blocks, I, I broke it down. His first five years between 96 to about 2001, he averages about 50. So he, he started out being really, really good. His middle period is his best period from about 2001 to about 2007. He's averaging 56. And then you think about Dravid, you know, 2008 onwards, and that's when he kind of really ran into a lean patch and you're like, God, what's happening with him? But then he comes back in his last years. And he, his last four years, five years, he's averaging 53. So, you know, there's, there's not um, a sustained period of, you know, uh, leanness in, 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 his, in his record. And you could say that great time to bat and everything else, but you still have to make the runs, as Mr. Gavaskar says, right? The pitch can be flat and the bowling can be easy, but you've got to concentrate and make runs. Yeah, it's still uh, got to be in the mix, you're right. Yeah, and uh, I think I've, I've spoken about, like, how even his record is. Um, and uh, I agree with Sile. I think there was a point of time when, when he was... He was better than 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 Tendulkar. I don't know where Kohli is going to end up, um, and wherever Kohli ends up, we'll have to kind of see. You know, how do you then uh, index it or qualify it based on the time period that he played in? But I mean, if you if you think about like you take Kohli out of the picture, uh, then I think for me it's like Tendulkar, Dravid, and then you know Mr. Gavaskar either next to Dravid or just below. No, you read my mind. You know, like two three years ago when Kohli was in his absolute pomp and. So someone, you know, I was talking to on Twitter who knows his cricket. And uh, he said, Kohli's already above Dravid now. You know, and again, I said, look, Dravid played 160 tests and Kohli still has long ways to go. But, you know, sometimes we live in the present and present seems very colossal and recency bias yeah. and not. But Kohli did score a lot of runs, looked pretty majestic. And, you know, like he, he, and he batted more with his emotion and, you know, all the other adjectives that go around. So you make a very interesting point. If Kohli does dip to 49 or does barely stay at 50 and gets maybe three, four hundreds and calls it a career in two, three years. So are we going to say Dravid is India's second best batsman? Because... I bought into that narrative too, that Dravid kind of has gone beyond Kohli. So in the end, are we going to just say Sena and then out of Sena, just South Africa and Australia where Dravid fell short? Or are we going to also factor into England where Dravid rose? So I think these comparisons are never ending. Sahil, where do you see the Kohli versus Dravid comparison going? I know it's not a finished picture, but do you think it's easy to crown Kohli over Dravid because this era is slightly more difficult or you will say picture abhi baki hai? 
<laughs> I, I wouldn't do it yeah. as yet. I think I think you'll you'll probably wait for. Uh, I'm sorry. I'll, I'll I'll just finish one point and sorry. Yeah, sure, sure. Um, but um, I I wouldn't do it as yet. I think you you kind of have to wait for Kohli to finish, and then as I said, you kind of have to discount it or qualify it based on um based on how he played. But I think you again to my point, like you you look at Dravid in the context of his era, right? And in in his era, just if you just do, do a simple numbers search on cricket, he'll come up in the top ten or at least the top fifteen, right? Along with Tendulkar, and then there's space for the next Indian batsman. You know, an interesting point about Dravid is we'll see where this lands up uh, lands up with Kohli, right? Dravid is non-captain, average fifty-three, right? As captain, average forty-five. And we think about that time when Dravid was captain, you know, two thousand five to two thousand seven, very tumultuous time. All the drama happening in the Indian team. He is not enjoying captaincy. Tough period for him. He's not making runs. His purple patch is finished. He's still averaging forty-five, right? And at forty-five, you'll you'll take a number three batsman. Um, you'll keep him in the team, right? He's not a Rahane or a Pujara averaging in the twenties, right? So even at his worst. Dravid would grind his way to a 45 or a 40 plus mid 40s average, right? And I think that's the greatness of the man. And you're right. I think Shahil, you can come in just a second. I'll also add a thought. You're right. Yeah. Unlike Pujara and Rahane, where we are all sure, even though we all love Pujara, that time is up. Dravid could have easily played after that Australian tour. He decided to call a time, and a lot of people said that kind of gave Lakshman the lifeline. Otherwise, had Dravid not decide decided to retire, he might have played, and Lakshman could have been dropped. If that's the narrative I recall correctly, right? You guys remember the retirement because I think at that time, you know, if he didn't yes, yes. retire, he could have carried Lachman on. Carried, Lachman carried on, I think, for about maybe a year more, if I'm not no, wrong. No, no, no. So I think what happened is like Lakshman was picked for the New Zealand tests, and then he decided that no, I'm not going to play. So he yeah. was initially picked for the New Zealand, uh, like New Zealand tour to India in August, but then he decided that no, I'm not going to play. And then there's whole this uh, overseas uh, tours coming up, so I would like just vacate this spot for somebody else. Uh, but Dravid just retired after Australia in March. So, uh, I like see when you're comparing Dravid and Kohli, and also I mean just uh, I would like to counter to the fact that Aftab brought about uh, Dravid's record in Australia. I mean, Tendulkar like got his way all uh, all his career. He got his way. He he want where wherever he wanted to bat, he was allowed to bat. Right at number four for most of his career, even in one day internationals when. like chapel came and said that you need to bat at four but he got his way around after that but for dravid you would uh, you have to see that uh, in 2001 when india went to south africa he was asked to open then when india went to australia in 2008 when he was like the senior most batsman like he had almost captained australia uh, india <laughs> before that uh, he opened in the first two tests and uh, i mentioned about that melbourne innings i mean he almost played uh, more than 100 balls in both innings of the test match but we hardly remember that and sahil, uh, sahil none of that matters because dravid got his revenge when he declared on 194 <laughs> that equaled all the insults he had to bear that's the biggest <laughs> insult ever made to any indian batsman don't you know there's a whole chapter devoted in an autobiography on that <laughs> yeah like uh, sakib knows where i lie in that debate of 194 declaration <laughs> yeah but I, i have to admit that dravid like like he had to adjust a lot more and he adjusted it and he adjusted brilliantly right you, i mean if you talk about adaptation like adapting to conditions adapting to bowling situations i mean uh, i would say dravid was up there with the top like kohli probably is a few notches below if i have to say that how how would he adjust to certain conditions but dravid went to england australia 
even in south africa i thought he did reasonably well yeah maybe, yeah the averages i mean again you can go back and uh, dissect the averages but overall i mean at this point i mean dravid a test dravid as a test batsman i would just keep above kohli but if you were to ask me like if i have to pick between dravid and kohli uh, for a test team uh, i would surely pick uh, kohli uh, not dravid and i have my reasons because i think dravid uh, i mean dravid for all, to all his credit i think sometimes got into his shell i mean but kohli is a more free flowing batsman so i mean you'd get more uh, what you say you'll get more returns from a kohli than a dravid and i'm just saying like i'm not i'm nitpicking i'm not saying that kohli is way above dravid or dravid is better than kohli but i mean if i have to just look at it from both perspectives uh, i'm just trying to think that and i would say that in my team i would probably pick a kohli but if you're picking a all time india 11 right then i mean that's your 3 4 5 i mean 3 at uh, dravid at 3 tendulkar at 4 and kohli at 5 as simple as that I, i was about to go there I, i was just about to say that that you know you dravid walks in in an all time india batting 11 at 3 you probably open with mr gavaskar and sevag um, for the lack of a better second opener and i know i mean you know you can go back in history and maybe there are better openers than than a sevag but if you're doing that middle order then there's dravid at 3 there's tendulkar at 4 and there's kohli at 5 um then we can see who goes who goes past them um but yeah um, but but dravid is by far i think definitely walking in into any all time india eleven at number 3 no doubt and if the, the, there's the utility with dravid is you could so easily move him to one and two if anyone if openers are not there like he's he's a substitute opener right there and he would do a great job in that role as well and you can play another batsman in there and the biggest irony of all this would be you know we made fun of not you guys but some of Uh, the host, some of the guests, and me made fun of Rohit Sharma a few years ago when we did this podcast jokingly, and now from middle order he probably will go down as one of the better openers India has seen if he continues to perform in the same vein. Uh, so we'll see where you know that conversation ends. So and, we are. Go ahead. And sorry, sorry to interrupt. And Rohit is such a curious case. I mean, India just wanted him to succeed. I mean, in that period, right? He batted at three. He batted at five. He got chances everywhere: West Indies, Sri Lanka, Australia. Uh, and and somehow, like now, he's India's opener. And the and the other interesting thing about Rohit Sharma is that I remember Shastri talking about those things, right? That Rohit Sharma is a batsman who can who can uh, change the Test match in a session. now i have watched like a lot of cricket i have never seen rohit sharma change a test match and even now when he's batting as an opener like what really strikes out is his uh, his defense his solid defense his compactness right the way he's batting even in australia in those two tests i was just uh, amazed how good was uh, how good he was against those uh, fast bowlers cummins hazelwood and stark and all the talk before that was that he's going to change test matches in a session like he's your next sehwag and all but uh, now he, here we are like he's a completely different batsman as to what we and this is he's a, he's a great tale for fans to have exercise patience with a cricketer who's come up through the ranks and has displayed genuine talent right he's not somebody who was like plucked out of nowhere you can go online and watch him play in the under 19 world cup in sri lanka in 2006 right and you could see the talent was there he was he was good right and he kind of got a lot of trolling for the word talent but 
you're right. India wanted him to succeed. I, I think the fundamental turning point in his life is Dhoni deciding that I have to make this man successful and putting him on the top of the order. Because the philosophy that he brought to opening in, in the white ball game, which is that I'm not going to get out to the new ball. I'm, I'm going to see it off, but I have so much range in my batting that if I bat for like 40 overs, I'm going to score 100 every time. And, and you know, in a 50-over game, it doesn't matter if you start slow. It's not T20. Your strike rate can catch up and you'll make up for it, right? And he's brought the same philosophy to red ball cricket. I mean, he's like, I'm going to have a tight defensive game and I'm going to see out the new ball. And after that, I have the range to make runs. And yeah, you're right. He's not a ever. He's, he's changed his game. He's adapted his game, right? Which is why he's still surviving. Um, and all credit to the man. I think, you know, he's proved a lot of us uh, wrong. But I know Sakib, you and I were talking last year before the England series and you know, we discussed whether Rohit's going to be successful and I had a suspicion he would be, you know, just because you've seen yeah. him change his game. And I think he's matured so much as a as a cricketer. But I, I, feel, I feel that's one instance where I think a lot of credit goes to Dhoni. I think there are two people in whom he had a lot of faith. One was Rohit and the other was Jadeja. No, that really shows and it's, a, it's an incredible turnaround. Sometimes you tip your hat because there's nothing personal because, you know, I was, you know, glorifying all those Mukul K7 pieces you know, where he called Sharma a submarine of talent or something. And, you know, like I enjoyed that. But now, you know, joke is, is on me and others because he's not only... And I still believe opening is... And red ball cricket is still the hardest job out there. You know, some people say uh, it, it's the same to top five batsmen. But uh, so anyway, let's wrap this up. This has been a very rich conversation. So if you can rank them or you can pick them. So Aftab, if you were to rank six, seven of the middle order bats that you have seen or we've discussed, leaving Tendulkar and Kohli out, uh, you can go first and then Sahil can go and you can even rank them. I mean, I, I believe it starts with Dravid. So who are the other six? Yeah, I would probably put Dravid at the top. Um, I'm going to go with Lakshman, I think. Uh Number two, I'm a bit torn between Lakshman and Pujara. Pujara, recency bias, but I think if I have to be a little bit fair, I'll probably go with Lakshman. Um, just a little bit more longevity, um, even though, you know, different era, different kind of batting. Um, probably put Pujara at three. Um, he'll just edge out Azar in in my mind, you know, just because of the impact he had and, and you know, the, um, you know, uh, what, what his performances resulted in. Um, and uh, I think Azar after that and... Um, I'm I'm spoiled for choice whether I put Ganguly or Rahane next, but <laughs> um, Thanks, both 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 have similar records. Yeah, maybe I, maybe go with Mensurka. Didn't see a lot of him, right? I okay. only caught yeah, him the tail end. So I'm I'm probably going. Okay, so let's let's do uh, Dravid. Uh, uh, I think I said Lakshman, uh, Pujara, uh, Azar, uh, Vengsarkar, uh, Rahane, and and maybe Ganguly. Um, or they can both swap. I think they're, they're both at pretty much at the same level. My list is very similar. And Sahil, I'll give you the floor. I'll also throw in Manjreka just because, you yeah. know, in the era I was watching Ticket, he scored 100 in West Indies, right? During the commentary years, radio commentary at 7 p.m., you're listening mm-hmm. to days play. And in ma- in one match, he also got hit and he continued and scored that 100 against, I think it was Winston Benjamin who got him. And then that uh, series against Pakistan, against Basim and Bakkar and a fading Imran, you know, he was a wall. And that kind of led to the misconception that he's going to deliver in Australia and his career failed. So I think, uh, uh, I don't know if Ganguly had a series like those two. He scored a lot of runs. I missed a lot of Ganguly years because I was in the US and there was no cricket telecast till the 99 World Cup. And uh, and my bias is in play. 
I'll rate Rahane over both of them, and him and Ganguly can swap places as a seventh guy. So Sahil, what what are your seven? Uh, I mean, Dravid has to be at the top. Uh, I mean, it has to be like Sachin, Kohli, and Dravid. Uh, I mean, I would keep them aside. So Dravid at the top. Then I would say Pujara. Uh, that would be uh, second. And then who else we, do we have? Lakshman, Azar, and uh, Rahane. Uh, I, I'd pick Azar. I mean, uh, at three. And then I will keep Lakshman, Rahane, and Ganguly. That would be my six. And Kaf. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe Kaf. <laughs> you didn't see Manjrekar, so your seventh could be. Yeah, Kaf. I didn't see a lot of Manjrekar. Yeah. None of you mentioned you've raised the test player, so I figure it's not I, worth. I also did not mention Ronnie and Sunny. We are keeping them off the table. <laughs> they are even above Tendulkar and Kohli. <laughs> I was going to come there, you know, like they're two missing omissions. So for those of uh, you who don't know or need a, you know, a crash course, the floor is. Sahil, and then after we can come and you mention. So I'll let Sahil better? begin. I'll yeah, let Sahil better? begin. His credentials are stronger than mine in this space. Who's better, Aditya Pancholi or Amir Khan? <laughs> <laughs> it was, uh, yeah, I think it was way before. Uh, like uh, I had posted this clip about uh, that selection meeting that we have in our number, and like it basically typifies like what uh, like like you can see the resemblance between Ronnie and Kohli, right? The styles, personality styles, not the batting styles. <laughs> But the personality size and they talk about like uh, he says ki usne chakka marne ke liye bola aur usne out ho gaya. Yeah. Like you could see that similarity between Ronnie and Kohli. I mean, I, I just wonder how Devanand came up with that and like uh, <laughs> so if you ask me uh, Sunny <laughs> Sunny was a like Sunny just got a, his chance at the right time. I mean, he had a godfather like Devanand to back him, right? Who says that I, I, no matter what happens, I don't care. I'll give this new guy a chance. I wish, I mean, uh, selectors of this era uh, can be like uh, Devanand and pick players based on form. Because, uh, I mean, as I have seen in Indian cricket, I mean, most of the cricketers, I mean, even somebody like a Sachin Tendulkar overstayed, like, for almost like two years. So from from an Aval number perspective, I mean, that's the lesson I take that you need to give the younger player a chances. Yeah, I think I would only add is, uh, so Amir Khan is the only Indian batsman who has won India two matches, both against, I think, Australia and England with last ball sixes. <laughs> so as I said in the beginning, <laughs> he's the Rahul Tevatya of the previous generation. And uh, so Isn't um, Bhuvan reincarnated as Sunny or Sunny reincarnated as Bhuvan? Uh, Bhuvan came later, right? So <laughs> Bhuvan is basically, you know, Sunny close to retirement age. <laughs> um, but, uh, uh, but yeah, uh, Sunny over Ronnie, but I think Ronnie should have taken the drop better in more sportsman-like spirit than what he did. <laughs> Uh, that's a great plug-in for Aval Number for those of you who haven't seen it. And Srini, I know you'll be listening to it, so we won't torture you to watch Aval Number again. You watched it because of me and uh, Uday Bhatia's podcast. And uh, yeah, this was a fun chat, guys. And, uh, you know, and uh, Sahil, you hit upon some really interesting points here. Aftab, I know, comes up with a lot of brilliant points. But that point about Azhar not batting with Tendulkar and Dravid in the team, in the middle order, that I think that also makes a player better, right? With these, like, better teammates you kind of form a nucleus. But Azhar did play a good 10 years of his career with Tendulkar. So I think that also needs to be noticed. And also, I have to like say that there is a book on Azhar and Sachin's partnership (laughs) by Abhishek Mukherjee. 
Yeah, so I mean that's the kind of impact uh, like Azhar had on at least people in the eighties and nineties. Like you have a whole book dedicated to a partnership. I mean, no, I, I was I was a huge fan, and I mentioned it in our podcast. Right, his match fixing saga had a very personal impact on me, and of course, I had become a Tendulkar fan in ninety three when Azhar was still playing, but he was my second favorite cricketer after Sachin, and then. Uh, yeah, I think uh, fallen angel I call him, but uh, you know, if you talk strictly cricket, a lot of great batting knocks and like Aftab said, he's right up there with some of the best you know shot makers out there the game has seen. So, any parting thoughts, guys? That something we didn't cover or some last line you want to inject here? I'll probably add there are few people I look forward to in the next few years to come into this list and if India continue to play five bowlers, I'm very very excited to see. What Rishabh Pant does at number six, like um, over the period of years, you know, th- th- there's some cricketers who stand out, and you're like, oh, I want to watch cricket because I want to see this person play. For me, it was Tendulkar in the '90s. To some extent, Dravid I really enjoyed watching him bat. I think then it became like a combination of of Pujara and and Kohli. And for me now, it's Pant. I, I if he's batting, I, I need to watch him bat. And I think I have a sneaky suspicion he's going to end up with a higher red ball average than a white ball average. Um, so we'll 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 talk about him um i think in the in the years to come um and then um, and then shubman gill i mean i don't know whether, whether he's going to be in the middle order whether he goes up but uh, there's there's a lot of class there and uh, he'll he'll do well yeah so my one wish is that i want to see kohli back in form uh, i want to go him on a high i mean i've seen enough indian batsmen who have retired on like on on these lows, right? Be it Tendulkar, Dravid, uh, Lakshman. So I really want Kohli to go on a high. I mean, I want him to get back uh, to form. The other thing that I want is like, I want a little bit of stability in terms of uh, backing uh, players. So I mentioned this about Pujara that he didn't get, he didn't get the backing and he was like dropped and various places. So, so, Right now, we have Vihari at three and Ayer at five. And I would like to see them get a long rope. I mean, let's give them a run of like eight, nine tests and then decide that whether they should be dropped or not. Because it's really unfair on the other player, uh, on others as well. Because once they are slotted in, I mean, there are so many high expectations. So, after I mentioned about Gil, and I'm pretty sure that Gil is going to play in the uh, middle order in the long term. Uh but at least for now, I mean, that's what I want from the management is that they should back the players for at least seven, eight players. Because there's this whole talk uh, uh, in the social media these days and even the general cricketing conversations are just one or two tests. And I would just bring this example about Prithvi Shaw. I mean, that guy literally just failed in one test in Adelaide and the knives were out that he's not a test player. His technique had been found out. And even people like Ricky Ponting, I mean, were calling him out. And here is a batsman who has scored loads of runs from age group cricket to Ranji Trophy, even in test matches. I mean, he had he had done decently up until that point in time. And then he was suddenly like uh, discarded, like he was the worst opener India ever had. So, I mean, I would like to have a little bit of stability and at least back players for a longer period of time. I think it's a very valid point. And, but I would say one thing, just because being you know, the wise man with the old man in the room, uh, we've been spoiled. Again, the cricket in India and Indian selection, of course, there's always 
uh, room for improvement and the narratives are dime a dozen. I think it's really gotten better from the days I started watching. And it only makes sense because what used to happen in the Indian selection in the middle order in the 80s, you know, you have to learn from those mistakes. So India, I'm not saying is a beacon of stability, but uh, there's always going to be like one, one or two guys, like even the great Dravid, you know, found it hard to, you know, retain a space in the one-day team till he became a regular. Similarly, Pujara or Sharma played musical chairs. But uh, you're right. I think I'm not, I'm not debating your point, but I think from my vantage point where we've come as a cricket nation, uh, there has been, you know, a lot of improvement in, in backing players and stability. Of course, there'll be like odd examples every now and then. But then, you know, like there are five guys you're trying to back over a decade. So there will be a turbulent period for a couple of years. Like Aftab said, not everyone will fire together. If that does, then, you know, everybody's scoring 15 a match. So th- that's my and take. But I, I'm not... Yeah. And uh, Sakib, this one more point, I mean, uh, I mean, maybe I just forgot about it. Uh, if you see Pujara's and Rahane's record in the last two, three years, and you could probably say that if they had batted well, right, if they had been uh, a little, a little, uh, they have scored a little more runs, I mean, this uh, Kohli's legacy as a test captain would have been very different, I would say. I mean, if uh, one of those would have clicked in, let's say, New Zealand or in uh, in the recent South Africa series, I mean, Kohli's legacy would been would have been very, very different. I mean, that's a point I wanted to make because I think I think overall I I did make this point that uh, the team management didn't back Pujara at that point in time, but also Pujara let down the backing that he got in the later part of his career. I mean, he should have repaid that faith and maybe made those a couple of good hundreds uh, that would have like <laughs> saved Kohli from some Oh yeah, if he had gotten a hundred yeah. in South Africa, Pujara would still be in the mix. Yeah. And it's a very interesting point, right? I, mean, I think Sahil, you, you said it very well and I was going to bring it up earlier in the podcast as well. The, the selectoral, I think, stability in India is much better now than what it was in, in the 80s and the 90s. I mean, at least we are also not like changing captains every two series like we used to do in the 80s. Um, but it's a very fine line, right? Like what's the point where you need to give enough of a long rope to a person, as you said, right? Relative degree of stability versus what's the point where you think, okay, this is diminishing returns. Now the opportunity cost is too high. It's very subjective. And the... I, the 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 cost uh, or the downside of the approach of selectoral stability is that sometimes you will have instances where people you've invested in will fail and some moments and that would mean you don't win a series in South Africa which you probably should have won but I think I think I would take that over constant chopping and changing um, and if you have genuinely good quality people then giving them a long rope I think you know that's the price you pay for showing faith in your players and that's probably a fair price in my opinion. And that's very well said. And I think on that note, we can call it a show. Uh, the ever articulate Aftab Khanna, thank you very much. And it's a very impressive debut, Sahil. I think uh, it's a 96 like Rahul Dravid. You missed out on 100 because I'm cutting the show earlier. But sometimes I would say it's better to miss the 100 and, you know, and then be a Ganguly scoring 100 on debut. <laughs> okay, I'm going to get some hate Was it a, I mean, <laughs> are you talking about the test match uh, Rahul Dravid or the ODI Rahul Dravid who was no, there no, in 96 in Singapore? <laughs> Test match, test match. I have grey beard, man. I mean, there's no business talking <laughs> white ball. So, <laughs> no, this is a fun show. We'll. Uh, I probably would like to, you know, host you both again. And uh, yeah, thank you both. And hopefully we can do this again. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Sakit, for having me.